It's Jared. As some of you may know, one of my favorite movies is The Big Short, which is Adam McKay's 2015 film. And yes, it stars Ryan Gosling, Steve Carell, Brad Pitt, um, and they're all amazing, and that's definitely an added bonus to why I like the film. But ultimately, it's so amazing because it breaks down one of the most complicated recessions in very basic terms and brings in some celebrities to help explain it and that kind of alliance with the mission of contested so it really is no surprise why i like the film so much but one thing after i've seen it now multiple times that keeps reoccurring is this theme of income inequality and this is nothing unique to the big short this is something that is widespread and now even more widely talked about but what the big short points out in specific is there's this one scene where Steve Carell's firm is going to investigate how bad the housing crisis is. And they go to a community in Florida and they knock on the door. And you can clearly tell there's a man of lower income who is just renting a house. And he finds out that the house he is renting is registered under his landlord's dog's name. And he's completely distraught. And then later in the film, he reoccurs again after he has lost his home and living out of his car as the 2008 recession continues to grow. And that always pulls my heart a little bit because what people don't seem to recognize as much is that massive recessions will hurt the people at the bottom exponentially more than the people at the top. While 2008 was caused from bad financial practices at the top, the primary impacts were at the bottom. And as a looming recession seems to be on the horizon with, I've seen some estimates that unemployment rates might hit above 30% over summer, it's going to be really evident who's going to bear the brunt of this, right? We're already starting to see protests for rent control or rent waiving. We're starting to see more people trying for unemployment benefits, things of that nature. And those people are not the people at the top. And in fact, U.S. income inequality is so large, you're going to have a whole bunch of people at the bottom and a lot of small businesses that go out and a bunch of people at the top who will clearly be hit, but be fine coming out the other end. So a lot of policies from 2008 and now even more so with this looming recession have been targeted at income inequality. And basically, how can we try to close this gap that is causing all these economic harms? And the one solution that continually arises that I've seen is the wealth tax. And this in America was perpetuated by Elizabeth Warren, and I won't talk too much about that because that will be talked upon in the episode, but it's been a real shift in economic policy to focusing on income inequality, led by economists such as Robert Reich and Paul Krugman and a bunch of other left-leaning economists. So today's show is going to focus on the wealth tax specifically as primarily a solution to income inequality, but also what is it, what does it do, how can we implement it? Is it even a good idea to implement it? And I'll be sitting down with a really good friend of mine, Jackson Downey, who's also my debate partner. And he is a massive proponent of the wealth tax and has done a whole bunch of research on it. So if you're interested in either income inequality, recessions, or just what does wealth look like in America, stay tuned for the show. Hey, Jackson. Hi, Jared. How you doing? Doing all right. You? Good. Good. So I think the wealth tax is something that maybe people have heard about, especially with Elizabeth Warren's campaign for presidency over the past few months. 
but can you try clarifying just exactly what are the details of a wealth tax and specifically Elizabeth Warren's wealth tax? The idea of a wealth tax is to transition the way in which the government taxes its citizens over from simply income to their net worth. So the total accumulation of all of the assets that they have that have value. This means stock, cars, houses. A lot of people have expensive pieces of artwork that can be worth up to thousands of dollars. All of that would be included under the wealth tax and all of it would be taxable. Right now in America, we predominantly tax income. So that's how much money you're making on a salary basis. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And maybe something I think I didn't know, but how would you go about, if you were a policymaker, taxing something like a car? Would you just take it out of their liquidated assets or... Like, how would you get the money from a car, right? You can't take like 2% of a car. So what you're referring to is one of the biggest issues with the wealth tax. And I don't necessarily believe any of the wealth taxes in their current form are the most ideal. But I do believe fundamentally that we need to shift the way that the American government taxes us over from income and to a total accumulation of wealth. And I can give an example of why. So the best example is Warren Buffett. And Warren Buffett's a really interesting example because he is one of the biggest proponents of the wealth tax, despite being one of the three people who would pay the most because of it. So he has a net worth of about $82.7 billion, which makes him the third richest man in America. And while he has a total wealth of $82.7 billion, he only makes an annual income of 100000 mm. And while $100,000 is a lot of money, it's actually about the 87th percentile in American society. So he makes as much money as an accountant or a school teacher with a lot of tenure, you know? So like people who obviously are not at all in the same circumstances as him are being taxed in relatively the same way. In 2015, Warren Buffett paid about $1.9 million in taxes. That sounds like a lot to us, right? But that's 0.02% of his overall net worth. Mm -hmm. And the average American pays eight. So essentially, we're paying close to 200 times less money as one of the richest people in America just because we're taxing income and we're not taxing him with the overall amount of wealth that he owns. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point. I think primarily because one, I didn't know the percentages in terms of how much people are paying. But yeah, it would, it would make sense. Like the CEOs of companies, yes, they take salary, but it's mainly in stock options and things like that where they hold wealth. And I think fundamentally, I agree with you that it seems kind of absurd that like, as you said, like a hardworking school teacher or like a lower paying white collar job would pay equal, if not more tax money than Warren Buffett. So if we kind of launch from the point that fundamentally we need to tax all wealth and not just income, where does the idea of a wealth tax originate from and kind of start out of? There have been different incarnations of a wealth tax all over the world and they've been repealed. France has actually repealed and replaced and like had it four different ways. But in America, the story of the wealth tax really started out in this election cycle, 2020. And it was popularized by Elizabeth Warren. And actually, Bernie Sanders released his own incarnation of a wealth tax. The real fundamental difference between them is that Bernie Sanders has openly criticized the existence of billionaires altogether. 
he's saying it's simply immoral for billionaires to even exist because that amount of money should never belong to one individual person. Elizabeth Warren believes that it's okay to get that rich. However, it's the job of the people who get that rich and benefit this much from the American economy to chip back in so that everybody else can have an opportunity to achieve the same thing that they have. So Elizabeth Warren's wealth tax is arguably the most popular because it really, while Bernie Sanders has Medicare for all, the focal point of her presidential campaign really was the wealth tax. And she really has a more flushed out policy than Bernie Sanders does. But essentially what she wants to do is tax every dollar above 50 million at a rate of 2% and every dollar above 1 billion at 3%. What that means is that a family who has $60 million will pay $2,000, but somebody who has $2 billion will pay $49 million. So it's even somewhat like equitable among the ultra-rich. Exactly. So it's really only the people at the very, very top, above a billion dollars, who are paying these ridiculous sums of money. And this 2%, just to clarify again, would be all of the wealth this person owns. Is there some sort of metric that we use now to calculate something like net worth or that the government has established as things that would be included in something like that? This is one of the most contested issues, uh, no pun intended, (laughs) uh, with regard to the wealth tax. The way that it stands now, the proposals for the wealth tax don't have any new framework about how to calculate wealth. Mm. Right now, the IRS has their own way of calculating an individual's net worth because we use it for the estate tax, or as Republicans call it, the death tax. Basically, when somebody dies and they have over $10 million, the state taxes a little bit of their wealth so that it doesn't all go to the, their son. So the framework exists. The problem is, and this is one of the biggest issues with the wealth tax, it's very expensive to appraise wealth. And a lot of times the assets that we're taxing are arbitrary in their value. So Mm. a great example is there was a billionaire by the last name of Rails in New York who put a billion dollar art collection into a private gallery and he donated it, right? So he got a huge tax write-off for donating this billion dollars and this private art collection. But he ultimately ended up placing the private art collection on his own property and only opened it up to private tours. So all of that is untaxable and he received a tax write-off. So under the world of the wealth tax, all of that would become taxable. They would be taxing that billion dollars worth of artwork. The problem is how much value an individual piece of art has is really arbitrary. And different people will tell you different things. So there's all of these really complicated stories within how to do the minute details of the wealth tax. That's another point that I think maybe goes a little bit missed in the wealth tax. Since it's all encompassing, it closes a lot of the loopholes that might have existed through other taxing, right? We said, oh, income's covered by this and inheritance covers this. And it's very patchwork, it seems currently. But a wealth tax would say, we're going to put it all under one roof and just take a sliver of that. And maybe that closes some of the loopholes. And that's one of the ways in which it really diverges from the incarnations of the wealth tax that we've seen in Europe. So the European Union doesn't tax any income or any wealth that's received outside of the European Union. Mm. Now, that's not true in America. 
if an American citizen is making money in France, we're still taxing that. There's all of these loopholes, you know, like where people are stashing money in the Cayman Islands and all of this wealth that's going untaxed, lost revenue for the federal government. And just by putting this blanket wealth tax over it, we would close a lot of those loopholes. In time, it gets a lot more difficult because we make a promise to tax every ounce of wealth all over the globe that belongs to an American citizen, not just that that's in our own country. So it does seem like a concern then is if the IRS or whoever the appraising agency would be to go out and do this, right? Yes, they would get revenue in the long run from the tax, but it seems like it would be a pretty costly operation to basically survey all the richest people in America, appraise all their wealth, and then calculate how much they should pay. And while that is a really good point, Jared, and it is going to be incredibly costly as far as administrative stuff and appraising net worth. All of that cost is minimal in comparison to the $2.7 trillion that this tax would generate over the next 10 years. That's enough to pay for universal college three times over for the next 10 years. And then I think you were alluding to a little bit there. So we've covered the basics of maybe philosophically why taxing income just doesn't make a lot of sense given how our tax system is structured currently. But maybe, because I think I've heard a lot from proponents of the wealth tax, that it also kind of carries an economic justice component to it. So if you could touch on maybe just general economic benefits that a wealth tax might bring, but also this idea of either redistributive justice or something along those lines. So, you know, as I already talked about, it would just bring in a lot of revenue for the federal government, $2.7 trillion over the next 10 years. There's so many opportunities for that. It could completely fund universal college, as I already said. It could pay for 10% of the Medicare for All program each year. So ultimately would fund almost all of Medicare for All. And it could fund about 25% of the entire yearly defense budget. So we see all of these opportunities that would basically pay for what the government has been taxing the ordinary citizen for. So if we're going to be able to use the wealth tax, which is only on the top 0.05% of people in America, then we can lessen the burden and cut taxes on the 99% below them. So we have that component. And there's a lot of other stuff as well. It's supposed to increase the GDP by 1% every single year. Also, if we look at just philosophically, how much these billionaires have benefited from the US economy? And who is that on the back of? That's on the back of the workers and the other people who are paying the majority of the taxes in America right now. And I personally, and a lot of other progressives would agree with me, that it's time that we change that lens and we start to tax the people who've benefited most rather than continue to ride on the backs of the workers. And then to play devil's advocate here, because I think you had alluded to a few problems and we've touched on the feasibility issue of the wealth tax already. But one point I see raised on the right, I think, and maybe justly so, is why would you say it's moral to tax the upper class? Or in other words, why is it not immoral to target people who theoretically are, you know, the greatest job creators we have in America and who have made a lot of significant innovations and benefited the economy already. One thing that's important to note here is that this is not a tax on corporations. Corporations are really the employers of America, not the upper class, like as individual people. So the argument that it's going to lead to this mass unemployment is really ridiculous. One of the other things that I've heard discussed by a lot of conservatives who don't agree with the wealth tax is that it's going to lead to this mass exodus of wealth. 
And this actually happened in France when they first implemented the wealth tax. There were like a bunch of billionaires, I think it was almost $600 million worth of wealth just fled France. One thing that's important to mention is that this argument, which is used a lot, just doesn't apply in America. Because as I already said, America taxes all money of its citizens all around the globe. So even if they leave, they're still going to be taxed. And the only way for the American millionaires and billionaires to escape this tax would be to completely renounce their citizenship. Mm. Now, one provision in the Elizabeth Warren tax plan to ultimately stop this is a 40% exit tax on wealth. That means to transfer wealth out of the country, it would be taxed at a rate of 40% and to renounce your citizenship, your entire wealth would be taxed at a rate of 40%. So we see that whole argument has been accounted for in the Elizabeth Warren tax plan. If renouncing your citizenship, which as you detailed, is probably not a viable option, would you support an alternative where maybe more billionaires are saying, hey, you know, I don't trust Uncle Sam as much. This might spur greater charitable donations or even just a little bit more spending across the board and whatever that might look like. Would that be a net positive in your mind if that was like an outcome that happened? Oh, absolutely. My biggest concern is not that people have this wild amount of money, but just that it's staying there. Mm. Like when you're Jeff Bezos and you have tens upon tens of billions of dollars, there's no possible way to spend it all. It's getting stuck at the top and it's not trickling down. So if we can do anything to incentivize the spending of this money, that's also a net benefit to the economy. Even to like large corporations, Obviously, small businesses are preferable, but it still leads to more employment. And we just don't want to see all of this wealth accumulating, just getting like stuck and congealed at the top. So if you were to make the case to one person who would be really opposed to the wealth tax for maybe a variety of reasons, what would you say to try to convince them that the wealth tax is ultimately a good idea? I do not disagree that being able to get super rich is a great motivator in the American economy. And I still think that the opportunity for significant upward economic mobility is like an amazing, amazing thing for the American economy. At the end of the day, this isn't about eliminating all billionaires. This isn't about trying to take away people's wealth. We're just trying to get everyone the opportunity to get to the place that they have. 60% of the wealth in America is inherited meaning that people don't even have to work to get to this place of billionaire a majority of the time. They simply get to inherit it. That's completely unfair. When we have people, school teachers, bus drivers, hospital workers who are working their asses off to get to the place that they have, like what we really want is to give them the same opportunity that these billionaires have already received. And I don't think that that's any injunction to the meritocracy or capitalism. In fact, we're going to give everyone this equal opportunity. With that, Jackson, thank you for coming on a contested. Thank you, Jared. Thank you for listening to this episode of Contested. If you like what you heard, please give us a follow on Instagram at Contested Politics. Visit our website at contestedpolitics.com. Or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play. I want to extend a big thank you to Jack and Downey for coming out to the show. And until next time, thank you for helping us understand politics together.